You can now connect with the Rebel Speducator on Twitter, at RebelSped. And now on with the show. to the Rebel Speducator on this glorious Sunday evening. I want to welcome you. We talk about everything education involved with a slight slant towards special education. I'm your host, Van. Tonight, we got a lot to get into, so let's get started. First couple of things I didn't really initially plan on including, but it was something that I read online, a news article, and it kind of, it kind of stuck in my crawl when I read it. I thought it was interesting. A couple of articles, and I thought they were worth mentioning. This comes from edweek.org, educationalweek.org, as two articles. The first one, titled, Teen Morale and Optimism Are on the Rise. Are you surprised? Question mark. Well, I know I was surprised. So, of course, this headline grabbed my attention, and I need to know more. So I read the article. And I'll pull a few excerpts from it here. It basically starts, the one person I talk about, this Kiana, found herself stuck at home at the beginning of a global pandemic three years ago, doing virtual learning and not much else. So she took up two hobbies that she could do while keeping safe social distancing, roller skating and mental health advocacy. It continues, in-person instruction had been back in full force for a couple of years, but Kiana, 17, had continued to explore both of these interests. She skates regularly now, heads up to student mental health organization at her high school outside of Baltimore, where she's a senior. She's quoted as saying, This allowed me to develop the things I'm actually passionate about. What I got out of the pandemic, there were so many opportunities now to actually implement those things. Now, here's the interesting part. They go on and they state this. Though a crisis in student mental health, especially among girls, has dominated headlines for the last several years, many students, like Kiana, Feel a renewed sense of optimism about the future, according to an Ed Week Research Center survey of 1,011 teenagers, ages 13 to 19, taken December 21st to January 5th. More than a third of teens, 36%, say the morale these days is higher than it was before the pandemic, including more than one in six who say it's much higher. Now, they caveat this, and they go on to say in the next paragraph, it's not all rosy. Another quarter of teens say the morale is lower including 6% who say it's much lower. Another 39% say it's about the same as before the crisis. Now, for all my math teachers out there, particularly advanced math teachers, I want to see, do you see any issues with these numbers, what they're saying? Because I sure did. Math is definitely not my forte, but there was something very obvious that I can pick out there. Let's go back and look at it again. More than a third of the teens, 36%, that the morale is higher than before the pandemic. This includes one in six who say it's much higher. Now the negative numbers, quarter of the teens, I assume they mean 25%, say it's lower, including 6% who say it's much lower. Now if we look at this, 36%, which includes both higher and much higher, and then the quarter who say it's lower, 
and the 6% who say it's much lower. Now, is that 25% encompassing of that 6%? Or is an additional 6% putting that 25% a 31% mark? Additionally, another 39% say it's about the same thing. Now, if you sit down and you actually look at this and you add up these numbers, you're going to see that it is about the same. I'll be honest, at this point, I would love to see their raw data on this. Obviously, from looking at these numbers, so my guess is it was probably a quantitative study. But I would like to see their data. I'd like to see where this came from. These 1,011 teenagers aged 13 to 19. Because I find it interesting. Because really, the numbers are telling me everything is about the same as what it was. Furthermore, I want to know how they stated the questions in this survey. And, of course, that's totally beside the point that a lot of times these surveys can be very inaccurate if people do not answer honestly. But I'll forgive that at this point. Play devil's advocate. Let's say they all answered it honestly. So let's go with it. So my question then, at this point, did they specifically word it as higher than before the pandemic? Because let's be honest, anyone student, teacher, normal person off the street, if you ask them do things look better now than during the pandemic, 99% of people are going to say, yes, absolutely. Of course it does. I mean, it can only get better, right? We went through, what, a year, year and a half, two years of, of hell. Schools closed down, kids learning virtually. So yeah, of course the numbers would look better in a situation like that. But I'm, I'm curious. I would love to see a lot of their data. But regardless of that, they continue on. The next bold headline, apathy has started to leave. This particular student they're talking about is a high school senior in Sugarman, Texas, shares her outlook. Like this other girl, Kiana, he was able to deepen some of his interests despite social isolation, in part because of the changes to the workforce brought on by the pandemic. The student studied health policy at California-based nonprofit organization, internship he did from the comfort of his home that he would have had to move out of state to do before the pandemic. Again, I think they're glossing over a much, much bigger picture here. And going back to the title, Teen Morale, Optimism are on the Rise. Are you surprised? Yes. <laughs> I am surprised. I find this, this very interesting because this is not what I'm saying. This is not what I'm hearing from other professionals. In fact, I'm hearing just the opposite. But even then, taking their data, boiling down to the few numbers that they give you, is basically telling me that everything is pretty much the same as it was before during the pandemic. Now, let's compare this to another article, same website, Education Week, that was published not quite a year ago, almost a year ago, March 27, 22, titled, Mental Health Crises Are Bombarding Our Schools. Here's What We Can Do. So I'm not going to read through this whole entire article, but basically this article, written just a year prior, completely negates everything that they're just talking about one year. So has everything improved significantly between March 27th, 2022, and January 2023? If it did, that'd be great. I'd be all for it. But as you can imagine, I am a little bit skeptical on that. Again, maybe it's just my lying eyes, but I know what I see. I know what others have told me, other teachers, 
uh, administrators. Overall, student morale is not on the rise. In fact, I don't even think it's even staying the same. I think it's gone down. And there is more apathy in schools. This is an issue. We have more mental health crises. I've addressed this in a previous podcast, talked about it briefly. But these kinds of things are on the rise. So one article that's trying to paint you a rosy picture, you need to really dig down into that. Look at their numbers, look at what they're trying to say. And again, where are they pulling this data from? That's something I would like to know. But moving on. So now I want to talk about another issue that we're having in public schools. And that is the lack of teachers. The ability, or inability, I should say, for school systems to get teachers. And I'm not even saying, you know, highly qualified, board-certified teachers. I'm talking anybody. Anybody to fill the gap. We have major gaps right now. And it's an issue. It's a huge issue. Now, I know most of you have been in the field for a while. You're fully aware of this. But I want to address this to a lot of the new teachers that are just coming into the field and those that are considering this as a career. One, if you're considering it as a career, please do, because we need you. That is not a joke. So why are teachers quitting? Well, I ended up down a YouTube rabbit hole, as it were, these past couple of days, which is how this subject came to mind. There are a lot of videos lately on this very topic. You can do a search on YouTube, on the internet, anywhere, for teacher shortages. And it's not just limited to the United States either. Though by and large, if you live in the United States, those are the majority of the um, results you're going to get. But getting to it, here are some of the top takeaways that I took. I, I, I probably watched over 100 videos on this topic. Some of them are familiar. Some of them, maybe not so much. So why are teachers quitting? Number one that I saw, and keep in mind I'm not doing this in any particular order as this is number one. This just happens to be the order that I wrote it down in. So the first one on the list, I'll go that way. Workload. Work demands. Teachers are complaining about how much is put off onto them. And it's gotten worse because, well, there's not as many teachers, so another teacher gets more work put off onto them. And they came into the job thinking, hey, I get to set up there. I get to teach. Grade some papers. I go home at 3.30, 3.45. Come back to work the next morning. I get weekends off get summers off. Sounds like a coach job. You know, I thought the same thing. Before I first started working as a special education teacher, I had the exact same opinion. Wow. What a coach job, man. Summers off, weekends, better than banker's hours. And you can't beat that. <laughs> was I wrong? Hey, was I wrong? There is a lot of work that goes into it. There are a lot of demands that are put on you. I think a lot of it they don't address while teachers, well, soon-to-be teachers, are going to school or those that are planning on going to college to seek a uh, licensing and education. A lot of these things aren't addressed. But again, I talked about this in a previous episode. These things have always been there. We're not just 9 to 5, 8 to 4, no weekends, summer's off. There is a heck of a lot more that goes into it than that. So anybody that's thinking about coming to the field, now I don't, I don't, I don't want to scare anybody off. Maybe you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you're in college right now. Maybe you're working on that degree. Maybe you're thinking about coming into this field. 
I'm not scaring you off. I just want to give you a dose of reality. You will be working more than your hours many times. It happens. There are some things you've got to get caught up on. There are some things that come down last minute. Just this last week, had an IEP meeting that had to be done at the last minute. First thing, 8 o'clock in the morning. Hardly anybody's there at that point in time. I had to get this all organized, had to write an IEP, had to get set, had to go. It's just the nature of the job, unfortunately, sometimes. Again, I'm not trying to scare you off. I just want to give you a good dose of reality on this. It is a demanding job, without a doubt. And I had some of those misconceptions before I started teaching as well. And as a side note, I'd also, for any of my former school teachers, who might happen to run across this podcast, if they happen to know who I am, I want to apologize. I wasn't the greatest student sometimes. I fully admit that now. So this is my apology after walking a mile in your shoes. I've learned there was a lot more to your job than what I initially thought. So next on the list were the issues that came up that seemed to be across the board was a COVID pandemic. We had to transition to a completely different model of teaching in a very short order, within days, weeks. Most schools were shut down right after spring break in March, almost in many cases, exactly three years ago to the day for a lot of schools. We're coming up on the three-year anniversary very shortly within the next week. Pandemic was a big one. So I say it wasn't a major one. It was definitely some that pushed a lot of teachers over the edge. We live today in a digital world. We all have our technology, our smartphones, our tablets, our computers. Everything is linked. And yet, for some reason, we could not transition that modern use of technology that we all have over to teaching. And for the most part, initially, I think we figured it out finally, but initially we failed. There's no two ways about it. I believe we failed initially. And by doing so, we failed a lot of kids. And on top of that, too, the demands that were put on the teachers to suddenly shift their teaching is understandable. I get it. I do. But during those first few weeks, it, (laughs) it was a disaster. I remember it. Next thing, put a lot of the attitudes that I see with these teachers, these videos I've been watching, it's the attitudes of the kids. They say that's an issue. The attitudes of the kids have changed over the last few years. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. I really don't. However, I have a different mentality on a lot of things. Again, I talked about previously, I was then the military or in some way associated with the military for almost 20 years. So I tend to look at things a little differently. I can look at the attitudes of the kids. I can look at it in a positive light in a lot of ways. One, you know, if nothing else, look at it as like, well, at least my kids at home weren't like that, right? (laughs) Basically, be thankful and be grateful for what you got. Second part of that, in my opinion, is classroom management. You are, and I fully admit this, you are dealing with a different class of student in this day and age. Again, I've said this before, the way we did things, teaching, education, in the 20th century is an archaic idea in the 21st century. We have to adapt. Back to classroom management, at the end of the day, it's on you, the teacher. For that time period that you have those students, whether you're standard six, seven, eight classes in a row, 50, 55, 60 minutes, or whether you're on a block schedule, rotating schedule, for 70, 80 minutes or so, for that period of time, those students are yours. And I know from my studies, getting my degree in teaching, 
one of the first classes we had to take was classroom management. So if you're having issues with the students, spend some time to reflect on your own abilities. Are you doing the best you can in your classroom management practices? Next one, and I saw this as well on many videos, toxic work environment and politics. <laughs> That's one that gets me going. So what's a toxic work environment? Several of the teachers that were on these videos were leading to the fact that they felt like they were always being over-scrutinized, that they couldn't be who they really were outside of the classroom, not necessarily inside the classroom, but outside. And they felt they didn't have the freedom to be able to do certain things that, quote-unquote, normal people do. Okay. And they felt they were being held to a higher standard than the rest of the populace. Well, I hate to break this to you. In many ways, we are. We are held to a higher standard. Is it right? No. Is it fair? No. But we are in the public eye every day. In our own little realm, we are as high profile as any celebrity. And we have to be careful. We can't go posting our bikini pics from our vacation in Cabo. We can't go posting our drunken night of debauchery at the strip club with the boys because people are going to see this. Now, if we were Jane and Joe Doe public, it'd be a different story. Again, is it right? Is it fair? No, absolutely not. But I think it's one of those things that we have to learn to accept when we become teachers. Because again, we are high profile. We really are. We are in public education. And in this day of the internet, instantaneous communication, social media, anything you do say is going to be put on there within minutes, days. It's going to happen. So if there's something that you think you wouldn't want your students saying, maybe you shouldn't have it on there. Again, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying that, unfortunately, in the world that we live in, it is what it is. Next, and this one has been said forever and ever and ever. The pay sucks. <laughs> yep, it does. Ain't a whole lot we can do about that. That was one of the biggest things. And I've talked about this before. I think everyone knows this, yes. The pay is bad. Again, we don't come into it for the pay. Things get hectic sometimes, and we think, man, this is not worth it for what I get paid. And that's understandable. Completely understandable. So again, relating back to what I know the most, understand the best, the military. We had a saying, sometimes you just got to embrace the suck. What does that mean? It's kind of like dark humor. It's finding the humor in a bad situation and trying to make the best of it. I'll never forget this one time, the unit that I was in, we had to have a full equipment layout. Entire platoon had to lay their equipment out for an inspection. We did it, got through it, everything was good. Well, the next day, right after work call, between 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, first sergeant said that commander wasn't able to attend the inspection. So what happened? They wanted another inspection. So what did we do? We went to the motor pool. We laid out all our equipment, did the exact same thing again, but we decided to get silly with it. We scrubbed the vehicles down. They looked brand new. We put on camo face paint. We wore our full battle kit. We learned to find the humor in it. I know I'm a little different on some things, and I fully accept that. I, I've learned to embrace the suck, so to speak, in a lot of things. I know 
anybody that's not been in that particular occupation will have a hard time relating. And I fully understand that. But that's something that's helped me because I have noticed there are surprisingly a lot of things that are very similar with teaching. Sometimes those days come up. Sometimes some things suck. You've got to learn to find the humor in it, with it and move on. That is the best advice I can give you on that. Finally, on the topic of why teachers are quitting, something that I've thought about myself. Don't burn yourself out. When you first get in the field, don't try and take too much on all at once. If you try and be everything to all people, you're going to burn yourself out quicker than you realize. You start burning that candle at both ends, it won't be long before you completely burn yourself out. Take on what you can handle. Don't take on too much too soon because you're just going to end up hurting yourself in the end. It's all these teachers that are leaving. It kind of comes down to an idea, at least from what I gleaned from watching this YouTube rabbit hole of videos. As we're seeing the grass is greener on the other side. Everybody's heard that. The grass is always greener. Cliche. I know. But I'd like to say the grass is greener on the side that you choose to water on. There are things you can do. Sure, you can plant this beautiful rose garden, but if you don't water it, it's going to wither up and die. And also, don't compare yourself to others, to other teachers. This is you shouldn't compare one student to another. If you've been in the field longer than 10 minutes, you understand the idea of differentiated instruction. It's the same thing with us. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. We all have different ways of doing things. Our students all have different ways of learning things. We are all individuals. So keep that in mind going forward this week. Don't burn yourself out and don't compare yourself to others. Finally, I'm going to close this episode out by talking to my fellow special education teachers. Granted, I haven't been in the field as long as probably many of you have. However, there's something that I have definitely learned in this time. One, things are always changing and evolving. Look at how far we have come in the last 20 to 30 years. We understand mental and cognitive disabilities better than we ever have before. Take autism, for example. We have a better understanding of autism than we did in just the last five years. And the diagnosis for autism has improved dramatically within that time. Five to 10 years, astonishing the progress we have made in working and dealing with autistic students. However, I still think we have a long way to go. And there's so much more that we can learn. And I relate this to us writing IEPs. Every IEP we write as a special education teacher, the next one is always going to be just a little bit better. And I feel that in this field, things are going to continue to evolve. They'll continue to improve. But it is incumbent upon all of us to work together to keep pushing it forward. And that's how we push education forward in general, is all of us working together. And if we do that, we can't fail. All of us is a big group. One final thought, and it's something that kind of came up last minute, but I wanted to address it because it's something big lately. Something very big. That is chat GPT. Yes. I think most of you by now have probably heard of that. It is the great AI program that has been making waves, and it looks pretty interesting. Now, I know there's a lot of opinions on this both ways. I don't think anybody on this right now is middle of the road. On one side, people say, no, get rid of this immediately. Nobody should be using this. This is a highly advanced form of cheating. 
if students are using it. And another side saying, hey, let's take a look at this. Now, I am one of those who is kind of in the middle. I take a cautiously optimistic approach. I say, scrutinize, don't demonize. Let's think about the period of time we call the Renaissance. Things changed at a rapid pace. We finally learned to stop burning people at the stake, having witch trials for people that were inventing things and having ideas that were outside of the norm. So I think we need to learn from our past. And with this chat GPT, it's a very similar thing. We need to come out of the dark ages on education. We're progressing fast. Don't get me wrong. We are. Absolutely. Sometimes maybe we go too fast and we do need to keep our eyes and ears open. And I talked to my students about this and I was actually the one that introduced them, uh, introduced my students to chat GPT. And I told them, use it, play around with it. Let me know what it can do. Because the only way we're going to learn what this thing is capable of is by letting the students use it. Could it be just a very simple, advanced form of cheating? Yeah, maybe. Could it be an extremely useful tool? I believe so. Let your students play around with it. Let them, let's see what happens. Let's, let's experiment. Let's not demonize it right off the bat. Because there could be some potential for good. That if we don't give it a chance, we may never know. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this Sunday evening chat. And I do want to apologize. I was not aware, but when I upload these, it usually takes several hours to a day before they get uploaded to the other hosting services. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, take your pick. I'm, I'm on all the platforms. So if you're hearing this super late Sunday night, I apologize. Or if you hear it on Monday morning, right in line with my Monday morning motivational, I apologize. I will get better at that as I go along. Plus, I got some new equipment. So if things are too high, too low, again, I apologize. I'm still getting into the hang of this. Be patient with me, but I'm going to try to continue to pump out good content for you guys. I encourage you to keep listening. And again, thank you for joining me on this Sunday evening edition of the Rebel Spedicator Podcast. You all have a great evening and a wonderful work week. Make you change.